last Saturday. It was a normal Saturday. Everything was, was just normal around our house. The kids were playing, having a great time. And then my wife drops a bombshell. She got reservations for us to go to a toy store and see the PJ mask. How many of you guys know who the PJ mask are? Raise your hand. Who knows what a PJ mask is, who a PJ mask is? Okay, there's like five, which still beats first service. Um, they had no idea. Uh, there, were, there were a couple, but not for the most part, none of them did. Um, PJ mask, a PJ mask is a, a superhero, a cartoon superhero, but they're children. And I don't know why they don't find adults to help them when the bad guys come into town, but they don't. And the bad stuff always happens at night. And, and so they are getting ready for bed. They're in their PJs. And then the bad stuff happens. And so then they have to go fight crime and they put on their masks. And it's, it's kind of a weird show. Um, but they, they go into the night to save the day. They are, bedtime is the right time to fight crime. And those are just some of their catchphrases. Um, so this was a huge deal, right? Like our kids... They stop playing, which sometimes they get irritated when we're like, okay, we're going to go do something, and they have to stop what they're doing. And so they, they stopped immediately what they were doing. They, like, joyfully got their clothes on to, to leave, which never happens. They let us get their shoes on with no complaints, which is, a, which is sometimes a battle. And, and they were just pumped. And so we get to this toy store, and we're going to meet these, these heroes, right? And so they get to see the, I got a slide, they get to see the, the heroes from afar, and that was their face. Like, they were pumped, and, and they brought their little stuffed animals. That's a little glimpse of what they look like, um, and so they have, the, they have these, these PJ masks, right? And, and so then the kids walk up to them, and they get to get a picture with them and sit on their laps and, like, say hi to them, and they both walked up like they were, the, like they were royalty, and Brody had brought stickers of the blue one and the green one, and he, like, offered them to them as like, I'm not worthy here, you know, take, take this. And he didn't give it to the other one because he doesn't like the girl superheroes. Um, but I don't know, he'll get over that someday. Um, but anyway, so, so this was a, an exciting thing for the kids, right? They were, they were going to get to go see their heroes. They were beyond pumped. They couldn't believe it. And have you guys ever met a celebrity? Have you ever had a, gotten an autograph from somebody, went backstage at a concert? Anybody? Yeah, okay, a few, few of you guys. So it's a weird thing, right? So that, that there's all these shows about celebrities, and there's all of this, like, there's so much focus on them, and it's like, they're just regular people, right? Like, they're just, they're humans also, and yet somehow we get in the same room, and we're like, oh, I can't believe I'm in the presence of this person. I can't believe I'm breathing the same air as so-and-so. I, you know, I can't, like, this person is so incredible, you know, and, and whatever. I don't have a, a great celebrity encounter story, but I have one that maybe counts as a half um, I was 12, and I was at a Detroit International Airport, okay, which is a celebrity hub. They, they often go there and just hang out. Um, so I'm there, and I'm 12, and I hear somebody that I don't know from afar say, hey, I think that's Sinbad. And I was like, oh, you know, my ears perked up. How many of you guys know who Sinbad is? Okay, Way more than for service. Okay, great. Um, so Sinbad, if you didn't know, is a, was a comedian, I think. And then somehow he transitioned into like children's shows. And he was in this not very great Christmas movie with Tim Allen. Uh, and I saw it. And then I, I saw him at the airport. So that's how I knew who he was. And so I look, sure enough, there's Sinbad in the Detroit airport Burger King eating a Whopper and just sitting there. And so I was like, I'm going to go talk to Sinbad. 
And so I walk over there, 12 years old, and I walk over and I look at him, and I was like, hey, Sinbad. And he looks at me and he says, sup. And so that was, that was our, our moment, our encounter. And it wasn't like this huge thing, right? It was just kind of casual. I didn't want to be one of those weird fans asking for an autograph or anything. I just, you know, hey, how's it going? But I tell you guys that story. I, I didn't, I, I chose to tell you that one. I've seen thousands of people in an airport and I've never told anybody about any of the other ones because there's no reason to, right? They're, his Sinbad is famous, oh, kind of famous. Um, you guys, some of you knew who he was. And so um, there's almost like this, you know, when we see a celebrity, it's like, okay, this celebrity, this musician, this, um, you know, this athlete, the people who fight crime at night, they are on a different level, right? They're, these, they're, they're, they're more worthy, right? And that's what we're talking about today is God is worthy, right? That he is worthy, right? We know that, that celebrities, everybody else are just, just people, but God is truly worthy. So let me pray as we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you will just speak through me. God, give us a glimpse of you and how good you are and how much you want us to be with you, how much you want us to, to love you and love you more than anything else. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so worthy, God is worthy, um, means having qualities or abilities that warrant special recognition, okay? So being kind of set apart, having something about you that makes you worth more, okay? It's this value-based decision, right, which we make all the time. Um, you know, we decide if, if, you know, if a celebrity seems to be more valuable than somebody else, or maybe in, in our everyday life, we decide, okay, do I want to pay up and get the steak, or do I want to save a little bit and just eat the cheeseburger, right? Um, which is, is it worth it? Right, we decide, is it worth it to eat the spicy burrito or when I might have to pay for it later on in the day, right? Um, or what do we, because of heartburn, that's what I'm talking about, heartburn. Um, I'm not allowed to make those kind of jokes up here, so it has to be heartburn. Um, so anyway, we do these worth-based decisions all the time, okay? We, 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 we say, this thing is worth more than this. And so um, what does it mean for God to be worthy and what is he worthy of? I think... Um, the best example or a great example is found in Matthew uh, 13, verse 13, 44. Jesus says, uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found out, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Okay? So it's like this, there's a way that this could happen for us. Probably not, so don't go trespassing. But um, if, imagine how this could happen for you today. You're leaving church and maybe you parked on that side of the church, right? Have you seen all this construction going on right over here? All of our new neighbors? Um, right now, there's a ton of geese out there. I don't know if you saw them, but those aren't the new neighbors. It's all these houses popping up, right? They, they've, they've flattened out this field. They've got it all ready for this expanding the addition, right? Which is crazy how many people are flooding this area and how, you know, there, there's all these houses popping up right in our backyard. Um, it reminded me of the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? We need to make sure that we are being workers as we leave here and as we're in our daily life, um, that we are the workers uh, working towards the harvest. Um, but you see something, you're walking out and you see these houses over here, you see the, the plots of land, and you see something shining. And so you're curious, you walk over and, and you look and you see something, this treasure, you see something incredibly valuable, right? And you're a good person, so you're not just going to pick it up and steal it. Um, and so you're like, I got to buy this land and get this thing, whatever, you know, this treasure. So you look and the sign of the price is posted, and you're like, yeah, I don't know how much the, the, the lots are going for there, but just 
let's say it's $100. That's probably a little low. But there's $100 to buy this lot of land. And you're like, okay, well, I've got $10 to my name that I, can, that I could put towards it. So I'm going to do that. And then I'll, you go home and you find all the things that are kind of unnecessary, just the extras in your life. And you're like, okay, I don't really need this thing. So I, you sell all that and you get to $50. And then you're like, okay, well, furniture. Yeah, I've got a lot of furniture in the house and I kind of need it, but this treasure is way more valuable. So I'm going to sell all the furniture. You sell the furniture, you sell your bed, you sell your favorite blanket, you sell your pillow, you sell everything, right? You look at out in the driveway and you see your car and you love your car, but you're like, that treasure is worth so much more. And so you go and you sell your car. Then you look at your kids and, and then you think, no, I better keep them. Let's, let's look at the house and sell the house. And, and so you sell all this stuff and eventually you get past that $100 mark and you go and you buy this field and you go and look at the treasure and you see, wow, this is so much more valuable than everything that I gave up, right? This is, this is beyond, beyond everything else, right? And it's this, this excitement of, <clears throat> look how much this is worth, right? When we understand that this is, looks like our relationship with God, that he is so much more valuable than anything that we could be asked to give up for him, that he's so much more valuable than anything we can acquire on our own, right? Um, when we think about, okay, are my two options are I'm going to go through this life on my own, and I'm going I'm to do my best, and I'm going to try to have a happy life, and, and, you know, hope for happiness, and health, and all this stuff, or we say, okay, I'm going to align myself with the God of the universe, the, the one who created everything, who created me, who created, you know, this entire, who, who's in charge of the, the wind and the seas and has ultimate power. I'm going to align myself with him. Oh, and by the way, he made me, and he knows exactly what brings me the most happiness. I'm going to go with him, right? It's no contest, right? We would so much rather align ourselves with him. Um, and yet in our lives, sometimes we, we don't do that. Sometimes we try to go about it on our own. <clears throat> There's only two reasons I can think of that someone would see the treasure and be like, no, I think I'm good. Either they see it and they're like, I don't think that's very valuable, right? I think what I have is more valuable than that. So those are the two. One is they, they misvalue the treasure there, or they misvalue their own stuff thinking that theirs is also worth very much, right? And so, so you got these, these, those are the two reasons. And, um, and it's something that, that, that clears this up, I think, a little bit in Scripture is the rich young ruler, okay? Um, there's this story about this guy, and as you guessed, he is fairly young, he's wealthy, and he's probably in charge of some stuff. Um, so the rich young ruler goes up to Jesus, and he asks him, he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Okay, I don't know um, much, of, we don't know too much about him beyond, beyond this conversation with Jesus, but um, it feels like to me, from what he says after this, or a little bit, that he's trying to set Jesus up to give him a compliment, right? He's fishing for a compliment. He's trying to say, hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he wants Jesus to be like, well, this, 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 and this. And then he's going to say, yeah, I did that. And then Jesus is like, wow, look how amazing this guy is, right? He's incredible. Everybody, you guys should all be like him, right? Because, because he was probably the guy who, um, who everybody wanted to be, right? He was wealthy, and, and he's, and it, you know, you can see from what he says here in just a second that he was a good person. He followed the right things. Was, you know, all the, all the moms probably wanted their daughters to date him, and, like, he was this, this big deal. And so he's, he's almost going to Jesus looking for another compliment. Um, and in Mark 10, verse 19, Jesus responds to this question. He says, you know the, the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Verse 20, he responds to Jesus. Teacher, he declared, 
All of these I have kept since I was a boy. And this is where he's like, okay, now, you know, give me the praise, right? Tell me how good I'm doing. And Jesus looks at him and loved him, right? It doesn't, it's not that Jesus is like, looks at him and is annoyed and wants to bring him down a few notches, uh, but he looks at him and he loves him, right? Because when we love people, there are some times that we have to tell them the truth and the hard truth. And, and so that's what Jesus is going to do here. He says, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay? Uh, you know, why, why did he go away sad? Because he wasn't sure Jesus was worth everything he was going to have to give up. Right? He wasn't sure that the, that the worth was there, that the ratio was there. He'd probably grown very comfortable and, and accustomed to this comfortable life, right? He'd probably had servants. He probably ate the best food. He probably, you know, had the, the best house. Um, he, was, he was living this life that, that brought some fulfillment. But Jesus is saying, hey, I've, what I've got is even better. What I've got is, is even, you know, it's, it's 10 times what you're living right now. Come with me, right? And I'll show you that to you. And this guy goes away sad. Um, you know, he had been fulfilling the law of Moses, and there's nothing in the law of Moses that says, hey, you need to give everything away, right? He was doing all of what he thought was right, and he thought he was, he was attaining it, right? But Jesus called him to a higher standard. He said, choose me, I'm worth it, right? Um, some pe- I heard a sermon a long time ago about the rich young ruler, um, and it was, you know, the guy said, hey, yeah, this is not a command for everybody, right? It's, this is not Jesus saying, hey, you have to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he said, but... It probably is a command for you if you just sigh a big sigh of relief, right? If you're like, oh, good, because I would, that, that's the line, right? Like, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? If, if you're holding so tightly onto your material possessions that you're, that you're choosing them over Jesus, well, then maybe that's what he's going to call you to, to walk away from. I don't, I don't know about that, um, but just wanted to, to throw it out there. Uh, I know the reason that Jesus called this man to do that, though, is because he didn't want to share his affection. He didn't want to share uh, with, you know, this, his, this guy's affection. He wanted to say, you choose me over your wealth. You choose me over all your material possessions. Um, you know, when, when two come, when they, when they, if he's loving both of them, right? If this guy loves his wealth and he loves Jesus, and then there's a time where he gets a business opportunity that is maybe a little shady or, or a little bit, he'd have to bend his morals, right? Then he's gonna, which he's gonna choose, right? Or if, or if Jesus calls him to do something, but he's so committed to this that he's like, no, I don't think so, right? Jesus wants us to be committed there fully, right? Um, Exodus 20, God says to Moses, I, your God, am a jealous God, right? Jealous is one of those words that we normally use as a negative, right? Um, that it's a, it's a sin, but God does it in the perfect way. God does it in the non-sinful way of being, of being jealous for someone's affection, right? Of being, of being jealous for, he wants, he wants all of us, right? Because we know that he says that um, right around the time where the Israelites chose to, to make a golden calf. And, um, and, you know, God's like, no, there's no other gods. It's just me. You know, be mine. And so God is, is a jealous God, and he wants, he wants all of your affection. So whatever the things are that, that you're tied to, he wants you to get rid of those. He wants you to move on from those or put them in their proper place and put him in his proper place. Um, it's like our life this is a weird analogy, but go with me. Um, it's like our life is, is as we are uh, growing up, we're at a buffet, and it's like when you're little, you learn that family is important, so you kind of put the family portion on your plate, and, and you got a big plate, and so then you get to your friends, and you're, okay, friends are important, you put those on, and okay, you know, security is important, I want to feel safe, that, you know, put that on, 
okay, I need to work hard at my job and at school and different things. You put that on, and then you come to Jesus. And you're like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm going to squeeze him in here, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make a little bit of room, and everything else will, will just kind of get a little bit tighter. And Jesus is one of the important things in my life, right? And that seems okay, and we try to do that. But really what we need to do is start over, right, and load up with Jesus, fill the entire thing with Jesus, and then see what else fits, right? Because when we do that, we understand Jesus has called me to love my wife the way that he loves his church, okay? So if we're, if we're committed fully to him, then yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be holding up my end with the family. He's called me to raise my children to love him. He's called me to do um, work and school and everything that I do as though I'm doing it for him, right? He has called us to, to all of these great things, all of these great things with our priorities, and all we have to do is, is follow him and, and, and fall in line with what he's called us to, and everything else will take care of itself. You know, a lot of times we have priorities, and we, if, I told, if I asked you what your priorities were, you'd probably list them, you know, God, family, friends, and then who knows what from there, but um, I think we could, that's probably the right answer, but we could probably stop after Jesus and just let everything else fall in line, right? But when we, when we try to just add Jesus with everything else, we set him up to get ignored. We set him up to, um, to, to, to be the, not, he's never going to be the squeaky wheel. Does anybody know that if the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets greased? Anybody ever heard that? Okay. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Heard Sinbad and PJ Mask. Who's got the trifecta going? Okay. So more than new PJ Mask. Very good. Um, I don't know how that happens, but you guys win a prize. You are the winners this morning. And see Pastor Ked next week. I don't know what the prize is, but he'll, he'll get you one. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus is never going to be the squeaky wheel, right? As you're going through your life, yeah, there will be times where, where you have reminders and things, things pop up, but it's never going to be like Jesus coming to you and be like, hey, remember me, remember me. And, and always in life, you know, if, if you've ever tried to do devotions um, with children around, it's like you start, you, you get out your Bible and then, Dad, I'm hungry, or Dad, I have to go to the bathroom and, and need your help. Or I need, a, you, know, I, I need, I need you to do this. Or, or this is, you know, I got, a, I got an ouchie. I need a Band-Aid. Like, whatever it is. And then normally it seems like I start to think, oh, see, the kids are the problem. And then my phone goes off. And then I'm distracted by that. And then, oh, I've got to go to this place. And it's like, then it's me. And then I'm, I'm hungry. And, and it's, if we don't make God the priority, then he's not the priority, right? If we just kind of fit him in with everything else, when all of the things of life just start popping up, yeah, we're going we're gonna to choose the other things, the, the, the uh, urgency of, the, of what's making the squeak, right? And he's not going to be that squeaky wheel. Um, and so with all of this, we're saying when we choose the field, right, when we choose to buy the field and the treasure, we are saying all of this is less important. And so um, Paul says it this way that, um, uh, where is that? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay? The old has passed away. So all of this stuff that used to be important to us, it's dead. It's gone. It's passed away. And then the new has come, this new life in Christ. And this new life, the things that are important to us should be God's plan, right? And following him as, and, and as we live our lives. And all of the other things will fall in line with that. Um, so far, we've talked mostly about, like, how to relate good things with God and with our our relationship with him, um, but we definitely need to look at when we're selling stuff to get this field, we also are needing to sell the not-so-good things, right, the sin in our lives. We need to be getting rid of that because we can't be fully committed to God and even partially committed to our old sin, right, to, to that. We can't, we can't try to 
um, be one way while we're at church and with certain people, and then but we're with other certain people, and now we're somebody else, right? We have to be the same person all the time. We, have, we are always to be his follower. Um, I shared this with uh, Dayton Christian when I, when I spoke there at their chapel. Um, I'm, I got a story about monkey hunters. Do you guys want to hear it? Okay, good. If you said no, we were going to get done early, but um, so you wanted to hear it. Uh, so in parts of Africa and India, there are these people who hunt monkeys, okay? Um, I like to think that they're hunting them for pets. I will just say that. Um, I've, I've, I hope that that's what they're doing. There, there are pets there, and so I, I think that it's pets. Um, but I saw this video on YouTube of, of how they do it, and they take a coconut, and they will cut a hole in it that's about the size of a monkey's hand, okay? And they'll put bait in it. And, um, and so I don't have a, a coconut or a monkey-sized hand, so I'm going to use a coffee cup and a spike ball. And they put the bait in there, and they tie a string to it. Or like they, they, they get a string stuck to the bottom of it, and they tie it to a tree. So this monkey comes, he smells the, the bait, and he reaches his hand in, and he grabs it. And then he's going to go on his way, but he's stuck, right? And he can't get, he can't get free because he's holding on to the bait, and this, this rope has got him stuck. So he tries to get away, he can't. He tries to climb the tree, and he's just like pounding this tree with the coconut, which makes noise. And then the hunters are like, hey, we got one. And, and the video is crazy. The, um, the hunters show up, and they don't, there's not a lot of urgency because they're like, we got him. And this monkey sees them, and he's like pulling away from it, and he can't get away. And then they just put a net over him, and then he's trapped, and he's, he's somebody's pet, and hopefully goes to a very loving home where they uh, take care of their monkeys. And, and, and he just, so, but that's so much like our relationship with, with our sin, right? Where, where we're like, no, this is, this is, God, you can have me, but this is the, I want to keep this, right? This is important to me, and, and I'm going to hold on to it because I think it's really good, and I think, I, I, surely you wouldn't have made me, you know, want this thing so bad if it was bad, right? And we hold on to it, and we hold on to it to our detriment, and then we see death or capture coming, and we still are just like, okay, well, I'm going down, right? And God's over here saying, just let go of it, right? Like, yeah, I understand you're tempted, but what I have for you is so much better than what is in that, and we, you know, we, we, try to, we try to hold on to it, and we try to figure out a way to have it all, right? We want to hold on to this, but we also want God, and we also want heaven, and the fruit might be really, really good, right? Which I've never understood, because I, I think they live in a jungle, and there's fruit all over the place. But, um, but anyway, they really think that that fruit is where it's at. And so, you know, it's, it's worth it for them, right? And, and God isn't asking you to give up that because he's mean or because he wants to see how much you'll deprive yourself. He's saying, get rid of that because it's not what, that's not what's best for you, right? Get rid of that because I've got something better for you. Following me is better for you. All right, let's look at um, King David, okay? And I'll, and I'll explain the story in case you're, you're not super familiar with this part. Um, this is in 2 Samuel 11-ish. Um, king David has been king for a while, and, and he, all the kings normally go out to war in the spring. Well, he was going to stay back, and he sent out his army, and he, I don't know if he got bored or if he was like on his high horse thinking, look at me, I'm the king. But he sees this woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath out on her rooftop. And, uh, you know, I don't know why she was out there, but he says, I've got to have her. He sends for her, and, and she becomes pregnant, okay? She's married. She has a, a husband named Uriah, Uriah the Hittite, um, and, and he is a very noble, noble character in this story. He's off at war. He's in the, he's in the battle. So David's like, Okay, I made a mistake, right? He sinned. And he says, okay, I gotta, 
I, gotta, I don't want people to figure this out, so I, I, I'll, I'll send for Uriah to come back, and he can give me an update on the war, and then I'll, you know, I'll give him some, some rest and relaxation, and then he can go back, and nobody will know the difference, right? So he calls him back, and, and Uriah is so noble that he uh, doesn't go home. He, stay, he sleeps on the palace floor, uh, because if, he's, if his men out there on the battlefield aren't going to be comfortable, then why should he be comfortable? So he stays out there, and um, and Aaron, when we, had, when we had Brody, she wanted the name Brody Uriah, and I kind of shot that one down because um, Uriah Geyer is a mouthful, and that just seemed mean, and, I, and I could, the first time she said it, I couldn't think of anything except you got something in Uriah, and, and so, so anyway, we just, we just made it, guess what Brody's middle name is? Brody the Hittite, uh, Geyer, and so, no, that's not true, um, but but no, he was a super noble guy in this story, right? So Dave, anyway, he goes back to, to the battle, and David's like, okay, well, still going to figure this out, so I need to do something else. He sends the forces up to go, and, and then they, they fall back and without telling Uriah. And so he's left out there and gets killed, right? So very quickly, David goes to adultery, becomes a liar, and a murderer, right? Sin just had its grasp on him. It, 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 he's... he's he, he got into it, and then it just kept adding, it's snowballing, it kept going, going, going. Um, you know, we can't fall into that, right? We have to say, no, I'm giving up that sin, right? And, and yes, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to sin and fall short, but we have to understand, I would rather face the consequences and, and stop it right there than let it snowball and let it keep going and getting worse and worse and worse. Um, once sin gets a, a grip on it, on you, you just have to have to cut it off. You have to get rid of it. You have to let go of it and turn it over to God. Um, as we get ready to close this morning, um, I want to ask the question, and I want kind of this is what I kind of want you to, to think on as you're leaving. Um, does your life show that Christ is part of your life, right? Or does it show that your entire life is focused on Him, right? Because I think sometimes we're we're fine with the first part. Yes, Christ is a part of my life. Right? Christ is, I'm, I'm there on Sundays, and, and, I, and I do this, and I do that, and, and I read my Bible occasionally and whatnot, but, but are we all in? Right? Are we completely there? Because that, that's what God wants. He wants 100% of us, and, and that doesn't mean that we abandon our other responsibilities. It probably means that we will do better in those, right? Um, when, when Christ is reigning in our lives, when he's in charge, um, if there's things that shouldn't be there, we cut those off. We, we, move, we move on from them. We, we, we move on. Um, if there's something that we're spending too much time doing, if we're focused too much on one thing and, and it's out of line with where it should be, we need to reel that back in. We need to, we need to say, okay, I've got to put you back in the right place, right? Or if there's things that we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing at all, right? There's things that, um, that God's called you to, that God wants for you, and you're, you haven't said yes yet. You know, we need to do that, right? It feels like sacrifice, and, and it, feels like, it feels like we're giving up a lot sometimes, or at least it does for me. But then I'm reminded of the treasure in the field, right? And how much more valuable that is than what we have to give up, right? Let's, let's read uh, Matthew 13, 44 again. Um, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold it, sold all he had to buy that field, right? Um, in his joy, like with a joyful heart. He was like, all of this stuff that I've been spending my entire life to acquire, gone, and I'm happy about it, right? Because I found this thing, right? Some people, this pile is bigger than others. 
Some people, um, like the rich young ruler, that would have been a lot of selling, right? He would have been putting a lot of things on Craigslist, and, and he would have been having a lot of awkward interactions with people, but, um, but hey, it's worth it, right? Because you're, you're moving in this direction towards this field, right? Whatever we have to get rid of to get here is worth it. It's totally worth it. Um, Jesus does not want you to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to choose him, and I'm going to avoid everything else, and then heaven will be great. And this life will be hard, but heaven's going to be great. Right? He doesn't want you to just live your life like that. John 10.10 10 says that um, Jesus came so we could have life and have it to the full or live it to the fullest. Right? He wants this life to be awesome for you. He wants this life to be great. And Jesus created you. And he knows exactly what brings you the most fulfillment. Right? We think we know what brings us fulfillment, but we don't know. Um, they say that the, as you go up the tax ladder, right? as you go up the, the income brackets, the percentage of people on uh, medicine for depression and, and, and things like that, it just keeps going up because I, I think it's because people think I've got all this access to money. I could have whatever I want. I can, you know, and yet I'm still not fulfilled. There's got to be something else, right? At least if you're on the lower end, you're like, well, maybe if I got up there, I'd be better, you know, be happier. But Jesus is the only thing that brings true fulfillment, right? Our relationship with him, our understanding that, that he is worth it. So this week, as you, as you leave here, um, think of everything in that, that, that ratio, that, that worth ratio. What am I having to give up? What am I, what am I getting from God in return? And it's, I, I guarantee you, what you're getting is so much higher in every scenario. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you will continue to show your face to us. Help us to see how worthy you are. Help us to see that you are worthy of our trust that you are um, that you're worthy of all of our love, 100%. God, I pray that you will just show up in each one's life here in a big way. God, help them to leave here with an excitement for you that, that not only do they have they found this treasure, Lord, but they could help someone else find it too. Um, God, I just pray for you to, to continue to work in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.